everyone. Welcome back to What the Fertility. We are so excited. We have Chelsea on as a guest with us today. Both Kat and I have followed her story for years, so we're excited that she is here to share her story with infertility, with surrogacy, and now life with her twibbling. So welcome, Chelsea. Hi, thank you for having me. So basically, we just want you to uh, take the floor here and kind of share your whole story. We know it's a lot, um, but we're excited to hear just even from the beginning kind of how it all started. Sure. Um, alrighty. So as you guys know, I'm Chelsea. Um, and I guess what, when I, or where, where I will first start is back when I first became pregnant, um, like, I, like everybody, we just figured my husband and I, we weren't going to have any issues. And once you become pregnant and see that positive on a test, that means a, that's going to equal a baby at the end. Right. <laughs> so, um, we, I, we had gotten pregnant and then from there, um, eventually found out that we had lost our baby, which resulted in a DNC. And after that had happened, we began continuously trying, of course, after that, and it just wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And I could also just sense something wasn't right because we had gotten pregnant at that time pretty quick. Um, so we, after that, I, like I said, I just sensed that something wasn't right. So I went to my doctor and just asked if we could run all the blood work panels, tests, just all of that. I also knew that I had um, endometriosis and just a couple other things that were, that were going on with my body. So I just wanted to be sure everything was clear and that we, you know, would be able to conceive again. So from there, she, she did some testing and just said, you know, I would just keep trying um, so we continued to keep trying. And from there, I ended up um, reaching back out to my doctor and was like, you know, can I just be seen at the fertility clinic and get further tests done or even my husband get some testing done? And their protocol is you have to be trying for more than a year or you have to have had like, I don't know, two or three miscarriages in a row in order for them to even refer you to a fertility clinic, which I think is so wrong. Yeah. Um, so just, wrong. What state, what state yeah, do you live I'm, in or like what area of the country do you live Wisconsin. in? Okay. So yeah, so, that's, um, that's so ridiculous. Right. And not only that, it was one of, the, it's one of those things where it's, you're paying for, you know, your yeah. treatment, your help, your appointments. So if I want to pay for, um, like a second I'm opinion, basically, like, yeah, wh why does anybody care? So the saddest part is that I actually had to tell my doctor that I think that I had a chemical um, miscarriage and a second and third um, miscarriage. And then she's like, okay, now I can refer you. So, which is also super sad that I had to basically lie to be seen at the fertility clinic. Yeah, It's sad, but honestly on your part, very smart. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it felt honestly, I, it. I felt so bad and it felt so wrong. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know what, this is what I have to say to be seen, whatever. Yeah. So, and it's, and then that's where things really got wild because I was seen at the fertility clinic. They ran a bunch of tests, which is crazy because at this point they still did not run any thyroid tests. So even when my doctor ran tests for me, all the tests that she ran never included my thyroid. Like no so, TSH, yeah, no T4. Nope. nope. So at this point, once I at this point, I'm at the fertility clinic and they said, okay, the first thing let's check is your, make sure your tubes are open. So I, I believe it's an HSG. Um, yeah. So I went into that procedure. Well, sure enough, um, my tubes were, we found out my tubes are completely closed from scar tissue from not only endometriosis, but also the DNC that was both very of, rough on my body. Both of the tubes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. So double, both tubes are closed. So I think even when I got pregnant the first time, it was like 
still a miracle too. I I must have had just maybe one tube or a little bit of a tube open that I got pregnant, but then the DNC basically put my body over the edge with scar tissue. Uh-huh. So what's crazy even is after we got that diagnosis, she said, okay, you know, your only options to conceive is going to be IVF, which is wild looking back because once again, we could still to this day be trying to conceive naturally and it would actually have been impossible because my tubes are closed. So it just goes back to the fact of I, with, with advocating for myself, thank goodness I did because when my doctor was saying like, just keep trying. No, my tubes are actually closed. Yeah. And the HSG is only a procedure you can get done really out of fertility. Correct. You need like a, you need a referral there. So it, it's even wild that we got the, that news because I was we went I went into the HSG basically thinking they're gonna flush my tubes, clean them, and I'm actually gonna come out super fertile. Yeah. Right? Um, Did you read that? Like I, after I, yeah, HSG? like I'm like. Okay, so when should I start trying to conceive after the HSG? Right. And they're like, you know, it's five minutes like, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I basically, did get pregnant right after mine. Basically, and mine was in the OB office. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so that's crazy. Cause yeah, I've never heard of that being done in the OB office. That's that. Yeah, that's wild. So I'm like, I'm, I literally, I, I told my husband, I'm like, all right, right after this, we are going home and then, and I'm going to get pregnant tonight. But yeah, then they obviously told me the, which was the most painful procedure I've ever had in my life. And it turns out really? because they were, tr- well, they were trying so hard to flush my tubes oh. that I wouldn't go through. So it, it was just Pressure. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So a good thing we got the diagnosis when we did. I was just thankful we had answers, but the answers, of course, were still shocking. So that was kind of our first hurdle is, of course, us leaving. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to get pregnant that night, right? And then I'm leaving actually knowing that that's impossible and we have to go through IVF. So, and so, Chelsea, can I ask you, because I honestly don't know this answer. So when they say both of your tubes are closed, there is no solution for that. Do they just say you have to do IVF? Correct. So I, it could be different in every fertility clinic, of course, you know, Google freak me went and like Googled how to naturally open my tubes and everything I could do to unblock my tubes. But it's, yeah, I, especially with endometriosis and the DNC scar tissue, um, it would be impossible. And not only that, like they had told me, it wasn't even like there was some type of opening where a little dye got through. I mean, there was nothing that would go through. And your your tubes are so delicate. I did read online once again. Um, there there's ways that people can try to, I guess, you know, do a scraping and clear clear that scar tissue. But what my doctor told me is that your tubes are so fragile, and for the amount of scar tissue there was, it's it's not worth the risk of damage, and um, it's just not something that that's feasible to like open up back your tubes. And so, so sorry to keep going back. So like you knew you had endometriosis prior to that first pregnancy. Oh yeah. Even when I was younger, but I mean, as more, as other people with endometriosis knows doctors, it's just, it's such a tough diagnosis because when you go in complaining about how painful your periods are, um, which I'm talking like lay on the couch, I can't get off the couch taking Vicodin since I was little because I was in so much pain, um, that they just say like, oh, you have endometriosis. 
And that's kind of an easy diagnosis, but it's also something that I feel like it's kind of the doctor's only solution to give you when you complain about all the complaints basically I was having. Um, yeah. And, and at then, 16, they don't want to do like a laparoscopy and like right. go in, like they don't want to like really and they did do tell that. Me, they did tell me when I even got older, we could go in and do the laparoscopic surgery and, and do those things. But to me, it was like, even if I'm told I am endometriosis, I mean, right now it's just not. It just wasn't in the plans of me wanting to do that because to me, I still thought I'm going to continue to like do everything naturally, be as healthy as I can. And it kind of showed I did still have the opportunity to get pregnant naturally. Yeah. Um, so I had that opportunity. Granted, like I said, the the endometriosis was bad. And, and who knows? Who knows what scar tissue was actually caused by endometriosis? And who knows what scar tissue was from the DNC? Yeah. Um, I think the majority of it truly was the DNC. Um, because I mean, there I've talked to a lot of women who've had DNCs, and even our surrogate um ended up having a DNC, not um because of the pregnant or not because of the baby, but um after way after birth, which is a whole nother story. And she actually had a lot has a lot of like scar tissue and complications because of the DNC as well. So I just know that I mean, when you get a DNC, it's just so hard on a woman's body. Um, I mean, they're there, the basically the doctors are going in to do one thing, and we know what that is, and they are not caring about how gentle they're being on your body. They're doing what they have to do. So and it's isn't just, it called it's like Ashimer syndrome or something that can be like some Ashimins or something. Yeah, you probably yeah. say it better. <laughs> no, I don't even really know. I could I could even be saying it wrong. But I I did, but I do know of, yeah, a lot of women that have that just from a, from a DNC, it's just caused so much issues with them. Yeah. I had six miscarriages and I only opted for the DNC. I know I only opted for the DNC for one because of this. Like if I could go back, I was just so anxious. I would have just chose to, I mean, it's, it's, Sometimes you don't have, yeah, you don't have a choice. There's pros and cons. Like the, what they were saying, if I would have just tried to pass it naturally, that could have been a very painful and long situation. So to me, I just wanted the quickest, fastest thing, but, but unfortunately it caused, yeah, a lot of future complications, um, and basically ruined my odds of, of becoming pregnant naturally. Gosh, well, that's super important for like women to know going into it. I mean, I did the side attack for the third miscarriage. Okay. And I, I don't know if Amanda did too. Did you, Amanda? No, I did the, um, how do you say it? The, with an M, the my. Misoprostol. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, regardless, I did it. And I said, I'll never, ever, ever do that again. So my fourth miscarriage was the DNC. Oh. So again, pros and cons. Yeah, but sure. right. I mean, either way, I think no matter what you choose, not only is it a hard decision, yeah. there's literally no easy way of oh, basically having a miscarriage. I mean, it's all shitty. Yeah, it really is. So at this point you go home and you tell your husband, yeah. okay, now we have to move forward. With like, yeah. Yep. So then at this point I was like, let's just, I want to jump right into it. I, I know of all the IVF stories at this point. I wasn't even big, I guess, so to say in the infertility community, I didn't even know there was such like a community or outreach or anybody even around to talk to. Yeah. It was just me with like 500 followers and n- n- thinking I'm the only one out of like my family, friends, community that's going to having to go through IVF. So, um, so yeah, I was basically like, let's just jump, let's do this. Let's jump right into it and um, see what happens. And then from there, I had contacted my doctor when like my cycle began or whatever, however that works. And she was like, okay, we need to run now a 
full panel before you begin IVF meds. So I was like, okay, I was kind of thinking in my head though. And I, I think I might've even said this, didn't you do this when I first came to the fertility clinic? Yeah. Like, why not? Like, yeah. now there's more. Well, turns out there was more because then she came back and was like, we cannot be an IVF until you go see an endocrinologist, which I should say, um, rewind a little bit. During this same time, I was going to my doctor, um, just saying my primary doctor saying, hey, I don't know what's going on with me, but I have a lot of heart palpitations. If I just walk up the steps and I'm so tired, I feel like there's some nights, some nights I would be laying in bed, truly feeling like I'm having a heart attack. And um, I would, I started getting more and more shaky. I was having crazy symptoms. Well, then from there, she said, okay, let's talk. Um, Let's try anxiety meds. So she, so the, all my symptoms that I was having was also basically, just thrown off, thrown up into, I've got anxiety, possibly depression from everything I'm going through from losing the baby. Um, so I was also getting just meds for, to like mask these symptoms I was having. So fast forward again, I'm doing this panel at the fertility clinic. And that's when she was like, you need to see an endocrinologist. You are, you're, I've never seen somebody so young that has this bad of numbers for hyperthyroidism. Oh, what um, was your TSH? If you don't mind sharing. Gosh, it was like 0.00. Wow. that It it was like a few zeros and then maybe a a one number. Wow. So, and then, so you would think that that means low, but actually on a thyroid aspect, I, um, like I said, I had, I have hyperthyroidism. So, so the numbers kind of like were, are funky to read, um, with like hypo and hyper, but I just remember my numbers and I even looked at the normal range. I, all the, and she was like, we like, you need to send send, or see an endocrinologist ASAP. So the endocrinologist actually reached out to me and said, you're going to come and see me tomorrow. So, and and usually the wait list is like three to four months. It It is because yeah, they, so same thing, Chelsea, like with reoccurrent loss, you're like, what's the answer? What's the answer? Let me dive deeper. And so for me, I went to a functional medicine doctor and that was the first time ever they tested my thyroid and my T4. And I'm like, why was this not done? I mean, thyroid, like a woman's thyroid plays a massive role in pregnancy and conceiving in just your woman's health aspect. I'm shocked that even a primary care provider wouldn't even do just annual thyroid blood check just to like check in with your body. It, it, It just makes no sense to me. Yes. I went to the endocrinologist. Well, then she's like, we need to do further testing to also see. So there's, there's hypothyroidism, hyper Hashimoto's, and then also Graves disease. Um, so I actually have kind of a mix of everything, just not hypo. So, um, my, I, I have hyperthyroidism. And then at the time I also had pretty high count or high level of Graves antibodies in my system as well. So what we ended up coming to conclusion is that was definitely the reason for miscarriage. Um, and then she said the, the bad part is your, your body actually kind of does the opposite of other women's bodies. So some women will go into pregnancy with thyroid problems and then it clears them up. 
or others will be completely normal, don't even know that they have any type of thyroid issues, but the minute they become pregnant, all this stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. So that was my case. So she wow. basically said, you're right now where your levels are at. You definitely can't do IVF. It can't, can't start IVF meds because obviously it's a lot of hormones and messing with your body. And she said, and the other downfall, the, the second hurdle is your body has already proven, especially with these numbers that it can't handle pregnancy. So she said, anytime you get pregnant, there's a very, very high chance that you're going to continue to miscarry, whether it's in the first trimester or second wow. trimester. And then she said, the problem is, I said, okay, well, isn't there medications I can take? And she said, well, the problem is the the dose that you need to be on is not okay for a baby, Um, but you obviously need to be on something to keep your levels down. So she said, it's kind of, you know, a double negative. And not only this, what even my husband and I talked about was if we're going to pay a shit ton of money for IVF. We also want the best chance. We're not going to go into IVF paying X amount of dollars, also knowing that there's a very low chance I'm going to even be able to carry the baby, even if we do have a successful transfer. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even one of those things where I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to try again. We already had to do IVF. So then at that point, we're like, I can't imagine like throwing this away because like I said, we're, we're paying so much already. Um, So then I was like, okay. So we had a lot to talk about, a lot to think about. Um, from there, we actually went home. We didn't even consider surrogacy. Um, we, at the time it wasn't even like, not, not, I mean, still not common, but it just wasn't even in my mind that that's a possibility. Was this like three years ago, I think, or two years? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. About, yeah, about three or three and a half years ago now. But so at that, at this point we instantly jumped right into adoption and we're like, you know what? I don't, I'm okay. We accepted the fact that I won't be able to carry a baby, which in that case, we thought at the time meant I, we won't have even a biological or um, genetically um, us baby. Mm-hmm. So we had started the adoption process, which was, I mean, just insane. Like when yeah. I even heard a lot of comments when I started posting about surrogacy, like, why don't you guys just adopt? Which I, not only do I hate that comment for Word. anybody in this world to say, but it's also like people didn't even realize we actually were in the process. We started the process and they just don't understand. There was one time where I told, or I had made a comment to somebody when they were like, why don't you guys just adopt? I said, do you know of somewhere that I could just buy a baby and bring them? Adopt? Yeah. I'd love to adopt. Do you know, you know, do you know somebody that wants to just give me their baby? Because you have no idea what that process yeah, is. So um, and not only that, I mean, a little side that I never shared is we were in the adoption process. We were at the home study level. We actually um, found independently a mother that um, was wanting to put up her baby and wanted to place her baby. And um, she ended up backing out and this, and I was in contact with her for about two to three months. Now that you know, whatever she chose the parent, that's totally fine. But it just goes to show, like you also have those types of situations, uh, and that it's a, people don't it's realize. A lot. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, Chelsea, if you knew. I went through the adoption process all the way through. I was active for a whole year. Um, oh, we yeah, actually. Yeah. And so say, so like the national average of like a failed placement where the mother, like you not only pay the $50,000 and it can change your mind. Yeah. And so then they birth the baby and they do choose to parent and that's amazing. But like, okay, that ratio is like 25% of all cases. That's a ton. 
Yeah. Right. It's and it's just scary. scary. Not only are you, have you financially drained your savings for nothing at that point, mm-hmm. but and you don't get any reimbursement, but it's also like just the time and emotional aspect. I mean, there is, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, adoption is amazing, but it, at the time after we were getting further in, and even when our, that mother backed out on us, it was just one of those things that it was like, where do we go from here? I mean, there's what no just adopt. Yeah. I know no, that's like what that's, we're all yes. saying. There's yeah. no just to IVF, just IUI. I mean, there's no just to anything in infertility, but so, you know, whatever, going back, we, we started the adoption kind of down low, low key. But on the other hand, I also was still in contact with my fertility clinic and said, listen, what can we do here? I, it's for us to have a baby. Like, can we at least create embryos? Can I go through the egg retrieval process, get my eggs out and at least have embryos stored, whether I can carry someday, whether we end up doing a surrogate, just, I, can we create embryos? And she said, she said, you know, your husband, all of your husband's stuff came back. Okay. So she said, that's not an issue. She said, but the medication, the medication that you're going to need to be on specifically, um, to like retrieve your eggs. She said, you can't right now. Your, your numbers are so crazy. So I was talking, I was in contact with my endocrinologist. They put, they basically put me on PTU at the high. I think I was on, I don't I mean, an insane dosage three times a day. Um, she told me, just so you know, these are the symptoms you're probably going to have. It's, these are very high. This is a high dose. Um, I even took off a lot of work to basically just be home and get my thyroid under control. And, um, she's, they said, it's probably going to take about a year. Uh, so my, my fertility clinic said it'll probably be about a year until we can retrieve your eggs because of your thyroid. So at this point, here's me. I'm like, what can we do to have a baby and to start our family? And my husband at this point um, was 40, which, which is not that old, but we also, we wanted kids. We want kids. His age um, was in more of a time frame than mine, but it was like, we were just ready. So then I had um, went online and for a month straight, we were actually waiting um, for an egg donor. So I said, I'm, I'm okay. okay. And I'm having a biological child of my own. Um, we can still, at least my husband will, um, be, you know, use his genetics and that's okay. We can find an egg donor and just move on with this process, um, possibly do a surrogate, but just have embryos stored, whatever. Well, it was about a month and we, and that is a whole nother process in itself too. Cause here's me going online. Like, okay, I just want to find somebody with like brown, brown eyes, blonde hair, uh, my height. Um, and let's, I'm just going to find somebody. I'm so impressed with like all these alternative routes you quickly identified. Like I, when I'm hearing you tell your story and I don't, I'm like, well, I guess what are the options? And you, yeah, I I don't care how we get, how we become parents. Like, I just want to become a parent. So now I'm online searching, whatever. And wow, that month, not only was it the weirdest thing ever, just like refreshing the page because all the quotation good ones go within like an hour of being posted. Do they really? Oh yeah. So it, so whatever. So I finally, I'm, I'm at work. I'll never forget this. I, you know, somebody pops up and I let go of a lot of things. I stopped caring about appearance as, as bad as it sounds. I just started looking at like their health and like, okay, is, or do they come from a healthy background and, um, and let's just do it. So somebody had popped up and it was a great, going to be a great fit. And it, so it was, I'll be fully transparent. For six eggs, it was seventeen thousand dollars. And like, like I said before, I pulled the trigger on this. I need to call my doctor, my fertility clinic, and just say one more time: Listen, 
like, I'm about to do this. You need to tell me right now. There's no way in hell that you can use my eggs before I like make this. You sound just like me. Literally. <laughs> like I just need to justify this purchase and I need to hear it from my fertility clinic one more time. Yeah. So crazy, crazy thing. Another where stars aligned the day before I was due for more blood work. Cause I was doing blood every week to see what the meds were doing to me. I gave blood the following or yep. The, like I said, the day before this day, and I had called my fertility clinic and it was, they were an hour before they closed. And I said, Hey, this is where I'm at. How are, how did my levels look yesterday? I'm assuming they're still high. What can we do here? And she said, they actually are improving. She's, I said, okay. I said, so what are we looking at here? And she said, but it could be a while. I said, so there is no absolute way, even if you do more of a natural cycle to retrieve my eggs there. And like, we just, low um do like low dose hcg or we alter medications there's no way and she said well which i was very very upset about but also happy she said you know what why don't we just try it then without doing the hcg trigger shot and let's and i'm like i wanted to scream because at her because i'm like for the last month i've been exhausting myself trying to buy an egg donor oh yeah and now you're saying that there's an opportunity for you guys to retrieve my eggs, but just like, you know, alter the protocol. So I said, holy shit, that you've got to be kidding me, but all right, let's do this. Yeah. I said, so she said, okay, do you call on your, on your cycle day one, when you get your period, literally I got my period the next day. Oh my gosh, stop. I called her and I said, we're, I'm, we're in, let's do this. I ordered met, I ordered the meds with a slightly different protocol and, and not doing a couple of the other meds or whatever that an egg retrieval entails. And I had basically long story short, got the meds in, did the egg retrieval and we got, we got 11 eggs for me, which was wild because not only did we not do, we not only do we alter the regular protocol and do more of um, kind of more of a natural cycle with some meds, but we got 11 and I was so happy. Um, we proceeded to then create at the end of the day, after they were sent in for testing and yada, yada, we created six embryos, um, for, for wow. boys and girls. Oh my and, gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. So they're bio- biologically yours and you yes. didn't call 17000 I was going to say, you don't have to well, spend 17 grand. I mean, IVF in itself is expensive. Sure. But, right, so. right. but like but the yes. egg donors, the egg donors hard. Cause you're paying 17,000 for six eggs, but they're and not, you don't even know if they're going to. Not only that, you don't even know once they're combined with your husband's yeah, sperm, you don't even know to, if yeah. they're going to be embryos. Yeah. Wow. So once again, it's also just a gamble with that because sure. you don't know. So it was wild. I was kind of upset because as you know, I mean, advocating just to be seen, advocating um, for my thyroid, advocating just for everything. I you mean, gotta, like fight for this. this yes. whole time. Like, and that's one thing, even why I am, I shouldn't say completely against, but why I've just got a bad taste towards a lot of Western medicine, because I just went through the ringer of, of fighting. And like, I, I don't know much. And yet I'm sitting there asking you if you can do more of a natural cycle to retrieve my eggs. Yeah. Like it was, just, it's just wild, but we created the embryos. And at that point I said, okay, let's look into surrogacy. So that's kind of where, um, I, we looked into surrogacy going through an agency would on, would be a hundred average, 110,000 to a hundred to even up to 200,000 these days. Uh-huh. So it was, we're like, no way. I mean, we, there's no way we can afford that. So that's when I just kind of randomly posted on Facebook our story and look was looking for a surrogate um independently. So 
excuse me. Was that the first time you had been kind of public on social media? Are you okay? And that was, that was the first time I even put on my Instagram, anything in regards to infertility. Um, and that was even when not only did I get a lot of followers, but even just so many share, I mean, my post of needing a surrogate between Facebook and Instagram hit honestly women in Mexico. I mean, it went viral. Um, there was awesome. there was people in Nashville that were sharing my story and reaching out, and it was it was crazy. It was a crazy twenty four hours because it just left and right. I had about I'd say about a hundred women in my inbox on Facebook just wanting to do it, and yeah, I mean, That's obviously it's very it's it, it's amazing. But from that hundred, you can imagine like how many probably would have been um, legit, yeah. and um. And whatever. So my husband and I basically took the next day to to go through all these um people in our in our inbox, and we started making up like probably maybe a list of ten to fifteen questions to just kind of rule people out. And because we knew at this point the ball was kind of in our court, we wanted to really make sure that we were going to find the best match because this just wasn't anything that you take lightly. So we had narrowed it down to I want to say maybe three to five women. And, um, we're, we even set dates from to, the 100. Yeah. That's a lot of work. I mean, it's so yes. overwhelming. I'm sure. But like I said, I mean, I will be, I will be honest with complete transparency. All, a lot of it, all it took was me even looking at their profile and oh, yeah. uh, okay. Like, okay. This is not what yeah. we, yeah. we announced our adoption and we had so many people that had like these fake accounts, like still yeah, interested. I'm that. 16 yeah. and pregnant. And I'm like, okay, are you though? Right. Exactly. So yeah, just between maybe the fake people or just the people that I just knew wouldn't be the right fit. Um, we narrowed it down and yep. I was in contact with, I want to say, um, continuously for about a week, maybe even less, actually a few days, I would say Uh, these three women, um, they were amazing. I was looking forward to meeting them. And that's when an old friend of mine from school, we hadn't talked for a while, actually, um, had read, had, had texted me and just said, Hey, um, like we, I want to talk. And she basically said, uh, you know, it took kind of, it, it didn't take her a while to reach out. It was like maybe 24 hours after my post, but she's like, I sat on this post. I sat on this and we, t- my husband and I talked about it. And she said, I'm all in, like, we want to talk about this in person. And we had them over, I think either that night or the next day for pizza and just sat down, talked to them. And not only was it just so cool to, I guess, rekindle our friendship more, but also like catch up, have our husbands eat and talk. And like, I literally have chills. That is insane. Yeah. And then I guess prior to this, I had seen her, um, a few weeks prior because I started working at the hospital near my house. Well, it turns out that she was a phlebotomist at that hospital. So I saw her in passing at the hospital even. And I was like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Um, like, how's it going? And yeah. So when she reached out, the coolest thing was then like, when we decided on, yep, this is a match. This is going to work. Let's do this. We, I mean, we saw each other all the time at work. So it was even cooler when like she became pregnant and like just even at work to just have us both, I could eat lunch with her and just see her. And, um, it was really cool story, but, but yeah, rewind it. We talked, um, it ended up working out. And then from there, the surrogacy process getting into surrogacy now is just wild. I mean, I would say it is, it's very, very similar to adoption. The amount of legalities, lawyers, contracts, medical clearances. I mean, 
so much. The only difference is, is you're not only just worrying about another family, um, and like their medical and stuff, even, uh, my husband and I, maybe this is similar to adoption, but maybe, but my husband and I had to do like a lot of FDA testing just a because for a surrogate to carry another family's genes, so to say, um, is a health risk. So yeah. we had to get done so much testing, even more than what we did to create our embryos, um, just to be sure there wasn't any type of disease or anything that would be going into our surrogate by carrying our baby. And then they had to do the same. They had to do a bunch of testing to know that they're going to be carrying our baby, but they have nothing going on that could that could pose um, a health risk or concern. Wow. So- and then Chelsea, this is probably like so like basic information for you or somebody that's going through surrogacy, but aren't there like three, like you have to have been pregnant before? Like what are those? Yep. Yeah. So, um, getting into that for it's different from every, I think it's different. Honestly, I think it's different at every fertility clinic and it might even, it's definitely different for every state. All the rules, um, are just so different, but, um, but with that, um, I, our clinic, she basically, um, her rules had to be, um, under a certain BMI, And I know the BMI was kind of ridiculous because even my surrogate um, was in no means overweight, fat, and nothing like that. And it's just crazy that it's it's crazy the BMI that they want surrogates to have, which is almost impossible for anybody. Especially like if you're muscular or anything. Exactly. Exactly. So that was, that was actually kind of scary. And it was really sad because when we got back the number, um, she was even just nervous in the aspect of like, I hope that, you know, I, I make that. And, and she did, but, but the BMI is a big one, which I think is just such a ridiculous rule and that should be changed. And it could be different in other places, but it was a ridiculous rule. Um, and, and then second was, yep, they, they should be done. I, I don't know if they absolutely have to be, but they really should be done having kids of their own. And we'll get into why, which was okay. a, my story is a great story of why they should be done having kids. Um, So the, they should be done having kids of their own. And then I think the third one was just the health aspect. Um, or no, no, I should say not only health aspect, because, because you get into that with medical clearance, but the fourth one then would be, they had no complications during their pregnancies. So I believe I'm not sure. So she never had to have a C-section, but some clinics say that they can't even have a C-section um, oh, wow. in history. But, but our clinic, like I said, our clinic wasn't concerned about that, but there's some clinics that are yeah. way more stricter than ours, but she couldn't have any complications. Um, So she didn't, Right off the bat, um, we went over everything before we even contact the fertility clinic of her history, her health history, pregnancy history, just everything. And she How said- How rare hey, to have such like a, an, an intimate person that you knew and that they right. match all of these. Oh, yeah. Um, so then we, they obviously, um, the clinic cleared her, but we also did a lot on our own, which this could go into any questions people might have for me. Um, as you know, and as you've heard already, I was very like next step, next step, next step, like, Mm -hmm. let's go, let's move this forward. So I, before we even contacted our clinic, I was already like up every night, all night, joining groups on Facebook, reading into what we can do. What can we do to speed up the process? What are we going to have to do? Um, so when we contacted our clinic, what we, what's really cool is we thought that we needed an agency to help, 
um, I guess what's the word to, to kind of help maneuver the situation and, um, and help us, but your fertility clinic actually does all of that. They usually have a surrogacy specialist to that, that really helps go through step-by-step. So all an agency really is there for is not only to help you do that as well, but also help match you. So that's the basic huge surrogacy fee from what I've gathered for an agency is they're just there to mainly help you not only navigate the process, but also match you. But your fertility clinic, if you want to do an independent journey, they will, they're a huge help. They will help you navigate the process. You're not alone, even though you think you going through it independently, you think you're doing it all alone. You're not, you do have a lot of help from your clinic. So um, we contacted our clinic and our clinic, basically the first steps was um, going through medical, um, Taylor going through medical clearance. And then um, from there was her doing like a couple procedures and then it would and then we get lawyers involved so for us we actually she reached out to her ob and basically had her ob write this big thing about her to our fertility clinic doctor saying she would be an awesome candidate there's no health problems just like a a great letter that we wouldn't that she actually thought to do i wouldn't even thought to do that and that itself sped up the process because our fertility clinic was like okay we'll do like our basic medical clearance but like we trust your ob if she's even giving you the go around so that jumped a lot of like uh, probably a month that that helped us she sounds amazing yeah oh gosh my surrogate was like exactly how I am in the aspect of like, let's get me pregnant. Let's get your baby. And like, let's do this. So she was very much like on top of things as much as I was. So I will say our case is very rare to have it go as fast as it did. Um, we also did things kind of risky where, um, we contact, I contacted the lawyers before even, I guess, um, she, her going through medical clearance. So I did a lot of, um, contacting, um, and also just getting quotes on lawyers. So the lawyers that I went with, I already knew what lawyers we were going with by the time the fertility clinic started seeing Taylor. So when they gave me recommendations, um, I already had my own, like, I got this already. (laughs) Yeah which was cheaper. And um, so then the lawyers, everything was awaiting. The lawyers were like, okay, well, we can't start the contract until you have embryos created, which makes, and until your surrogate is cleared, which makes sense because otherwise, if all of a sudden you put all this money into a lawyer and your surrogate ends up not being medically cleared, well, that you've just lost all that money. So we already had, at least we already had the embryos created. So at that point, I actually had told the lawyers, I'm like, yep, our surrogate is medically cleared. So we put down a lot of money down on our lawyers before she was medically cleared, basically holding our breath. So so they started the contract before she was (laughs) medically cleared. And then we went through basically uh, when, after she was medically cleared, after we did FDA testing, all of that, the, the, um, fertility clinic was like, all right, now we need, we're going to need your guys's, um, like lawyer's information. And so, and the contract, and you're like, here's and, it, here it is. Yeah, within, within about a week, we were like, here's a finalized contract and the fertility clinic. I mean, they, they definitely were shocked, but there was nothing <laughs> they could do because we did it all. Yeah. So there's just so much stuff that, that is similar to that, that we just, we did on our own and it was a lot of research, but we, we just did so much on our own, but also the fertility clinic was a big help. Um, so at this point we were about five months in and it doesn't seem like a long time, but of course that to us, it was a long time. Um, so we were about five, five months deep into surrogacy and 
I just was like laying in bed one night and I'm like, okay. So first the fertility clinic um, said that I would never be able to create embryos. Um, second, at this point, my, my thyroid or my levels, I should say, were completely stable on a low dose med at this point too. So I said, they, they said, I wouldn't be able to create embryos. They said, I would never be able to come off meds or my, my thyroid would never improve within a, within a year. And it's, it's improved within three months. So I said, there's like, there's gotta be somebody else that has went through this, that ended up being able to carry so I talked to my fertility clinic again and was like, listen, like, I just want to attempt it. Like, we've got the embryos sitting there. We've got our surrogate already that's, like, prepping that's for us. Cool. And, and her transfer is going to be coming up shortly. So I said, what if I transfer? And my fertility clinic was like, it, you know, I don't feel comfortable with that, with your health, um, with where your numbers were at. I don't feel comfortable. So I said, okay. Well, I went home. And searched out a really amazing doctor um, in the Chicago area, about two hours from my house, which so that it wasn't bad. And um, and got basically got an appointment with him within two weeks, which was also crazy because they're usually booked out really, really far. So within two weeks, I got a second opinion and I talked to him and he was like, just I mean, I just started crying when I was talking to him. Like, you are the only do doctor and person that's giving me some type of hope that this could be possible of me carrying, actually. So he said, you know what? Basically, your body, your choice. And he was like, you know, there's been there. I have seen women in the past in my career that their thyroid stayed actually at bay and got better in pregnancy and didn't, didn't spike. Didn't, he said, every single pregnancy is different. So he and said, it's like, why not try if you're willing right. to, yeah, if I'm willing to let's try. So we got off the phone. I was so, I said, so you're saying that we can try this. And he said, yes, but I do need a letter. Um, I do need a letter from your OB, from your primary care doctor and from a maternal fetal medicine specialist saying that like, Hey, we will take her in our care the minute she becomes pregnant. Um, just because my health was, was so much at risk if I became pregnant. So, um, so the next day I contacted every single one of those people. I said, listen, I might become pregnant. Can you guys just say that you guys basically have my back and will, are going to take care of me if I become pregnant? They sent those letters to him and I began, and then I, I went back to my surrogate. I said, this is a crazy situation. I found somebody that will, that's okay with me attempting IVF myself and transferring. Um, this came very fast. I said, but I might be able to transfer soon. How do you feel about that? And she was just super, I said, this does not mean we're canceling you. We're like every, all the work that we've done this far is a go. Like we are going forward with the transfer. I said, not only is it like a 1% chance that both of our transfers work, but I said, it's like a 0% chance. I'll even be able to carry, even if I do become pregnant. Yeah. So, so I said, like, you are our, our focus. This is literally a test pilot, just in an experiment. Like I, I, but I just want to let you know, like it could happen. There's a chance that we are both pregnant together. And she said, Oh my God, that would be like a dream. Like I want you to be able to experience pregnancy. And she said, and I'm also here to carry your other baby. So she was just amazing. And so I contacted the fertility clinic. I, my fertility clinic, my new one in Chicago. And I said, when can we do this? And he said, um, basically, you know, wait till your next cycle. I said, it just began. He said, uh, let's, let's begin. He said, your transfer date will be next month. Oh my gosh. So, like, wait, when you know, that was, transfer. 
like at this point? Uh, seven weeks after. Six oh, weeks so you transferred first. first. Yeah. So then, so then I, well, then, so then here's the situation. So he said, you can transfer next month. And now that's just the light version. Of course, I had to like make sure my uterus was good. So the other crazy part is you have so many appointments leading up to transfer, making sure there's no fluid in your lining, making sure your lining gets to a certain point, like over seven or eight, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so, but once again, every appointment I just like surpassed and everything was great. And there was no hiccups going towards my transfer date. And insane. Oh my God. And so I, I literally said my transfer date approach. And even my husband was like, Charles, should we like pause here? Like should we pause <laughs> on your transfer? Should we pause on the surrogates transfer? Like we need to pause on somebody here. I said, we're going to put all of our eggs in one basket and we're going for it because the, ch- I said, if you wait to, the, to like plan the perfect timing for everything in your life, it's not, that's not when it's going to work. I uh-huh. said, you know, it's all on God's plan as cliche as it sounds. And I said, the more you try to plan the perfect timing for kids and the perfect timing to buy a house or have more kids or whatever, there's never going to be a perfect time to make a decision like that. So I said, I think that this would be the the time it would, it could possibly work because I'm not stressed about it because I know we have our surrogate. Exactly. And yeah. I said, because the minute we cancel, we say, Hey, Taylor, we're going to pause. We're not going to ask her to put her life on pause until we're ready to use her. And yeah. I said, and the minute that we pause me and just say, okay, you know, let's, let's maybe wait till next year. That's when my body's going to go haywire and not, not be good. So I said, we're going for it. And he said, okay, I agree. Let's do it. So I told my Sarah, I said, I literally scheduled a transfer in three weeks. And so I did obviously. And then, uh, yeah. On Rachel, so, so how did you have that conversation with your clinic to get the embryos from them? Oh, that was okay. Yep. A little thing that I, that I skipped was then <laughs> I had six embryos at our clinic. So the, the, our old clinic, or I should say our surrogates clinic. So six embryos were there. So then I had to decide how many, first of all, how do we transfer the embryos? Second off, how many do you decide? And what ones? Because they're all graded, right? Uh-huh. So, I, so how many rounds were we gonna like do for our surrogate? How many rounds were we gonna try with me? How do you, you know, split up? And you need I the said, genders, right? Yes. So I said, how do you like split up this yeah. stuff? Yeah. So I said, okay, well, let's do three and three. Um, three embryos to our sur- at our surrogates at our current clinic. Leave three embryos there. Send three to our new clinic. I said that way, if we have any failed transfers, at least. I know that there's another option for me to try a transfer again. And I know that, you know, we, we also have some for our surrogate to try again. I mean, we would, we would have obviously after said and done, we would have never continued to do transfers because just doing the two was like financially enough. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so we, we ended up doing three and three. So I contacted my current clinic and they knew what was going on, but I was like, Hey, how do I transfer three embryos to a new clinic? So they knew exactly what was going on. From then on, every time I stepped foot in that clinic for our surrogate, they, which is super sad, basically treated me like chopped liver. Um, wow. And our surrogate had a pretty bad experience there. And so did I, because like I said, they were just so, they were irritated with us from the get-go because we had everything like in line and we were very pushy, but they were very irritated when they realized I got a second opinion and they realized what was going on separate, that they lost some business basically. From what's so crazy is like, it worked like, ah. So then I, so then I, yep. So we transferred the embryos. Well then at that point we're like, okay, let's save the best quality ones. So to say for our surrogate and let's do 
quotation, worst quality ones to me because at least we know that I'm proud. Even if I do become pregnant, I'm probably going to lose them and they're going to turn into, it's going to be a miscarriage. So let's leave the best quality ones for her. She's got the best, best body for it. Trust her body. Let's do that. So the craziest thing is our two girl embryos were once again, quotation ranked the worst quality. Um, The four strongest ones were our boys. Um, So we did, we sent, um, we ended up transferring a um, girl to me, which was a quality that we didn't even expect to stick. Um, And then we saved the best quality for her. So that's how we deciphered that. Um, And it ended up being a boy and a girl. So everybody's like, did you choose the genders? No, we literally just chose the best for her and the worst for me, which wow. ended up being a boy and a girl. And um, yeah, so I found out we did the transfer. I you don't know how to just wait. One embryo? What? Yes. You oh yeah. Because well, that was even that was even the clinic. The clinic even said, because you know, I'm on a roll to be pregnant. So I'm like, let's just do two. <laughs> and then like possibly, you know, have three. But um, by, uh, my doctor's like, no, 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 yeah. like, step back. I'm letting you do one. Like, you you're, you could possibly die. If you're you already pushing the limit, girl. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, one is enough for you. Yeah. So, at that point, yep, I, I transferred the one. And I don't know how people wait till beta for, like, two weeks, oh, their yeah. first blood draw. Because I'm a crazy woman. And I got stacks of pregnancy tests. That day, I went home and literally took a pregnancy <laughs> test. Which Bye-bye. was so stupid. That's amazing. Like, I mean, oh, oh, and then the worst was I did have a little bit of HCG because I told him, I'm like, so you do an eight, you also do it, you also put HCG into your body before getting pregnant or before the transfer to kind of convince your body you're pregnant. And I said, listen, I know this is going to spike. Oh, at this point I was still on meds. And he said, if you become pregnant, you need to, we need to like cold turkey, stop all meds. So I said, okay. I said, well, I'm already on the meds to stabilize, to keep my body stabilized. So can we just like do a little test pilot? Give me the HCG. Um, because either way, if I become pregnant, I'm going to get HCG into my system anyway. Yeah. So he said, okay, yes, we're just not going to do like, I don't know, maybe it was 10,000, whatever. Um, he said, okay, we need to cut that in half. We're going to do like three to 5,000. Um, but that's all we're doing. So for those that are uh, familiar with IVF, when you take a pregnancy test, you still have HCG in your system from that shot. So it could give you a false positive. Um, so of course I get home, I, I take the test and I'm, I see like it's positive because the HCG in my system still. So I was like, I don't even care. I know I'm like, I know this doesn't mean I'm pregnant, but I get to just see a positive. Oh, like, yeah. like, oh my God, you're like mind screwing yourself. You're crazy. So <laughs> then every day I just kept taking more and more tests just to watch it like fade out. Yeah. So then finally it was completely faded out. And then it was so funny because I took another one. Um, and there was nothing. And then that night I like woke up at one o'clock and it was mother's day. And I, and like, I got so crazy with testing. I don't even know how people don't test because I, I promise like I am psychotic. We sound like the exact same person. I I woke up at one o'clock. I I could not sleep. And I'm like, I'm just doing another one. I don't care. Oh, for sure. So I did it. And of course, you know, I, um, and going to every, I like, feel like I have line eyes, but I also feel like there's something there. So I would go um, to like all the windows in the house. Yeah, every, it, so and it's one 30. So it's, it's, or one in the morning. So it's dark. So I'm like every light going to the bathroom, kitchen, holding it in every direction. Then I download a freaking app on my phone. I've that's done like, it. Uh, I can detect it. I did it yes. too. Yes. Like the black and white, like neon stuff or whatever yes. I know it's called. Yeah, download that. I'm like, I can't even sleep because I feel like there's something I'm like blowing up my friend's phone. Like, do you see it? I see it. I'm on like this community baby app, posting the pictures to the app, asking if people see it. 
Um, and Can then you wake your husband up at this point or oh, so now I'm like, I'm like, that's it. Every, people are responding like, yes, yes, yes. It's like three in the morning at this point. I write on, the, I take another test. That's like, I don't even know. I don't even know how I don't know the, what they're called, but like the first response. So it's the yeah. big white one. Um, so I wake up. It's, I mean, it's barely there. Like if you ask a man, they're going to be like, what the hell am I looking at? Yeah. So they're like me trying to be cutesy on mother's day at three in the morning. I write, I'm pregnant on the test. And then I put it on the nightstand and then I like wake him up in the stupidest way. And I'm like, I just can't sleep. And then he's like, well, it's three in the morning, Charles. What, what are you doing? I'm like, well, can you check my phone died? Can you check your phone? Cause then he's going to go to his night, the nightstand and see it. So he, he looks at whatever he goes for his phone. He, and obviously he's like, what is this? He like looks at it. It like says I'm pregnant and he like turns on light and he's like, I, I, I don't see a don't line see anything. <laughs> and I'm like, so annoying. You're literally the most annoying to be happy right, right now. now. Why? Like this was supposed to be a moment that I'm supposed to like record you. You're supposed to be like happy tears for me. And like, this was the worst thing to do ever. <laughs> And then he was like, well, just just retake one tomorrow. Like it'll get darker. And I'm like, I'm so annoyed. You just like ruined this moment. And then I, yeah, the next day I took like seven and then I like, I just basically just kept going with like all of them. And then there was a point I thought one was getting a little lighter and I was like, I'm miscarrying already. And then um, but it was like, just because I've taken 12 tests a day. So yeah. then I went into the beta knowing that like, technically I'm supposed to be pregnant. Um, so yeah, long story short, it, it worked. And then the first trimester was very interesting because I had to come off all meds. So basically with Graves disease, you're the first and second trimester are was the highest time that I was supposed to miscarry with my thyroid, with the hyperthyroidism. Mm-hmm. The third trimester is usually when Graves disease comes out and can be transferred to the baby, which could cause, I mean, stillbirth, a, a bunch wow. of complications. So there was never a point in any trimester that I like truly, you know, thought that, that this baby was coming home to us because then when the third trimester hit, then I was doing all these tests for my Graves disease. So, um, Long story short, I mean, every week I was getting blood done. I was getting um 3D ultrasounds every single week. Um, it was. Did you end up going to that maternal fetal medicine doctor that wrote you the original letter? Yep. So I went. I went to all my original doctors, and they were just so happy to see me. And like, they were just all great because they just knew my story at the point at that time. And um, and it was wild. But yep. So it was about a month into my pregnancy maybe a little bit more that I, we were, I was still going to appointments and preparing for a Taylor's transfer. And we went into her transfer just as excited, if not more excited. Cause we thought, you know, this is going to be our pregnancy that where we meet this baby at the end. And she became, she, she tested like a mad woman like me and we didn't just continue continuously, you know, sent me, wow. sent me on um, pregnancy tests and we saw the line. Um, she became the best time ever was when we, when she graduated the fertility clinic, I wasn't showing that much, but like there was a little bump and I like just made sure to wear like the tightest shirt because that clinic was just like, they didn't, they did not say a word to me. They did not like, they just like saw my belly and that was it. Um, We graduated from my clinic. We graduated from her clinic. We both started seeing our normal OBs. Um, and then it just started getting like wilder. I, I don't know how much time you guys have. I know we're almost at the hour. No, mark. Keep, oh, going. keep going. 
it just it just got crazier and crazier because the bigger I got, the bigger she got. And it got to the point where appointments, um, she saw maternal fetal medicine as well, um, just because she was a surrogate and more high risk. So we both were seeing our OBs and maternal fetal medicine. So we had a lot of appointments, but it got to the point that when I'd go to appointments with her, she was in a different um healthcare system and a different doctor than me. Um, so they didn't really know me there or know, know our story. But it got to the point where doctors started like talking to me, thinking I was a surrogate, but then looking at her and not knowing. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, no, like, that is so then, funny. then like nurses and PAs would come in and be like, like, like was who's like, okay. who? But yeah. also didn't want to ask. I mean, it was just, it was that funny. So like, that's it hilarious. Just, it was so crazy to like have that situation. And I would say the craziest part not only was when I gave birth, but the craziest part was then like being so postpartum and like a few days after Banks was born, I had another appointment with Taylor um, and for Hayes. And I always told her, like, she's like, Chelsea, like, you don't need to come to this appointment. It's fine. But I said, no, like I told you from the start that your pregnancy or um, the pregnancy that you're caring for us will never like go on the back burner just because I'm pregnant or just because I have a baby now. So like Hayes means just as much to us as banks. And like, I will be at every appointment. So that was the really wild part is like very postpartum days later, everything was, is such a blur. I was like leaking, going to her appointment for Hayes and like, it was just wild. It it was a wild to everything just still to this day feels like a blur. And the craziest part was that we weren't really ready for her to go into labor when she did. Um, I just went to appointment. I said, okay, like, I'll be right back. Joe watch banks. And we went in and basically was told for, because of some complications with her blood pressure and, and everything like that. And the baby and Hayes's heartbeat or heart rate. Um, we were just, we were, we were, we were told that we weren't going home and that we were being admitted and she was going to have that baby and have Hayes. So and- how old was I know, Banks I was when Hayes was born? Banks was eight weeks. Oh gosh. I have a nine week old right I was now. Just gonna chat. That's like you oh, right yeah. now. But that'd be oh like me God. right now being like, Hey, you're getting a baby right There's now. A baby. Oh, because listen. eight weeks is finally where you're like, okay, I can sleep for three hours. Like, okay. It's kind of getting the Or hangover. if you have like a super colicky baby that Banks oh, was, yeah. um, then you're just still in the like hardest days of your life. Wow. So it was God. wild. Cause, and I called Joe, like it was crazy. It was I was so excited thinking I was going to finally meet Hayes. I didn't, but I was also so like nervous and stressed and like anxious. Like I remember the first person actually I called was my mom. And I said, Joe is going to freak out. I'm not coming home. You need to get to our house and take care of banks. And uh, like, we got to get to like, I'm at the hospital now, but Joe's got to get to the hospital and pack our bags for us. Like we're not leaving and Taylor's having our baby. Um, and it was wild because I'm telling I'm like freaking out because at this point before Hayes was born, so before even Banks was born, I was already power pumping and then Banks was born. And I was, every time she would nurse, I would pump for like 15 minutes after to convince my body. I already had twins. So I, I did not think about that. Okay, yeah, so I was in the hospital with, at Taylor's appointment that it was taking longer. And I remember leaking and being like, I am so full. Like I need to get home and pump. And then when we were told that I wasn't going home, I wanted to just it was so many emotions. I also wanted to cry knowing that I'm going to explode and I don't know how much milk is at home for banks. Thank- thankfully I had a lot of freezer stash for Hayes when he arrived, but like, I was still just like, I need, I need my pump yeah, and wow. I need to pump. So then it was <laughs> the like, hospitals? I didn't think, well, yeah. And then they wanted to charge me $300 to use their pump. 
Um, so it, so I, it was wild. And then I told Taylor, like Taylor's getting, you know, a bunch of like stuff done. And, and I was like, sorry, I need to just sit. Like, I need to be here and just pump. Like yeah. this is what I need to yeah. do right now. And like the nurses at this point, I don't look pregnant really because I'm not pregnant anymore. So they're looking at me like, what is going on? I'm like having hot flashes leaking. And like, I'm like, I've, I've got a newborn at home. It's a wild situation. <laughs> There's a but lot like, <laughs> But yeah, so then she went into labor. There was there was quite a lot of complications with her labor, unfortunately, um, and delivery aspect. Um, but it was wild. Though I I don't even really remember. I look back at pictures, but I don't even really remember the day that we brought Hayes home and we had Banks here and like we just were adjusting. Wow, I I weirdly remember that post. I mean, I know it was probably like a little delayed, like when you posted bringing Hayes home, because I was I was like pregnant, twenty weeks pregnant, and we were still active with adoption. And I had put something on my Instagram, like, "Do you think I could do two newborns?" And everybody's like, "Have you seen Chelsea's Instagram? Have you seen Chelsea's Instagram?" And I'm like, "Well, that looks amazing, but that also is insane." Like that, it was wild. I mean. I now that they're almost one or Banks is almost one. I mean, it definitely is getting easier for sure, but different challenges in its own way. But the newborn stage, I mean, we had two colicky babies. We also we banked on Hayes being our like perfect baby because you never hear of families that have two colicky babies. It's usually like, <laughs> oh, our first or our last or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, Banks screams from 4 p.m. till one o'clock in the morning every night, and Hayes was a daytime colic screamer, and we tried everything in the book. Um I never really believed in colic until I had babies of my own. And um, it was, there was so, there was a lot of trying times. I am um, sure. Did you guys have some help? I mean, thankfully we did have my parents. Um, my mom helped a lot. There was nights that I would be like cr- calling her in tears at midnight yeah. saying, I don't know what to do for banks. I, I don't know. And she would just come over just to give us a refresh and be a new body for us. But the, I mean, banks was very, a very, very hard baby for the first three months. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just wild. I, and I would, I mean, that's a whole nother story of life with two, but right. the hospital experience of a surrogate was also just the wild experience, but the most amazing because to be able to not only give birth myself, um, which I'm very grateful and will ever, will, will forever be grateful for. It was so amazing to be on the other side of things and like, see what our husbands or significant other partners go through to watch a baby be born. Yeah. Um, that was one stipulation when we went into surrogacy of who we were going to choose is I want to like be so involved where I feel I almost feel like I'm pregnant with you and I want to be able to me and my husband be in the room and watch our baby be delivered and that was one of our stipulations and she was completely cool with it so was her husband and I had I was able to help our baby be born basically and it was wild Wow. I feel like we could probably do like seven episodes I with know. you for like, I'm like oh my next God. segment and next segment and next segment. Cause you're yeah, so there was, it was cause I mean, and then when I, or when I had mentioned, it's really good for surrogates to be done having kids. Um, she had a lot of complica- complications basically right after Hayes was born. He was, it was a really wild experience when it came to bonding too, which is a whole nother postpartum like episode, but, um, the craziest part was after he was born and I was holding him and then we realized things were going wrong. And, um, basically our surrogate started hemorrhaging and it was very, very scary to be in the room and witness that. And they were, 
all yelling, like, get the OR ready, get the OR ready. There was nurses and doctors flying in the room. And like, I could just look at like C Taylor and she was just pale as could be. And like, just had so much fear. And her husband was like looking at her in so much fear. And it was just like something that was like, um, the, the before that aspect was amazing, but then it turned into just something so traumatic for all of us. And just because to feel so helpless watching our surrogate hemorrhaging and all I could think of is the worst in my mind that she had our baby and this is what she's going through. Um, so that's when she had to get rushed into the OR. And um, at the time we, we thought we were told that she was going through a much inv more invasive intense surgery. Thankfully it was just a DNC, um, which wasn't just but it was a better option than what we originally thought she was going to have to do sure. and um so we, we we went back to our room with Hayes and she was in surgery and for like that first like hour or two before we heard anything back um I mean her husband was sitting in the room where you know not to be too transparent but you know it was a very messy room with blood everywhere her, her husband's sitting in the room while she's in surgery we're in our room at this point just like waiting for updates but also trying to bond with Hayes but I can't even Comp comprehend what's going on with Hayes because I'm on the phone with my family and my mom because my mom was very close is very close with her family I'm telling them what's going on um and it was just a really crazy even first bonding with us with Hayes but also just so scary thankfully everything did end up being okay um and like that night we were able to go back into our room and we ate pizza and spent a lot of time together um and did all of that but I will say when it comes to surrogacy even the hardest day I think of my life, but even like makes me teary eyed was leaving the hospital because you're like saying goodbye to a surrogate or, and, and somebody who like just gave you like the best gift that you could ever like get. And it's like, how do you truly thank somebody for that? Like, how do you say, yeah. bye, we're going to go home with our newborn. And now you're going home in so much pain with nothing. Like, it was just like wow. it, for days after that, I just would just cry because I I also knew she had the complications she did. And there was even a point that she thought she was, I mean, she'll say for herself, she's like, I thought I was going to die. Um, yeah. And and she, so it was just a really crazy, like for days after just thinking of like, like, what do you say to her? What, how much do you reach out? What do you do? What can we do for her? Um, all of that. And then even fast forward to why surrogates should be done having kids is she actually recently had a surgery done um, and she needed to get her tubes removed and she needed other things removed and more of an intense surgery a few days ago, actually, um, because she was still had complications with a lot of scar tissue and complications from the birth back in March. So She's doing really well. She's um now, but but like I said, even if she wanted more kids, she wouldn't be able to have any more kids because of of Hayes, so to say, or because of our baby. So um it is very good for surrogates to be done having kids because our story just showed that I wouldn't know how I would how I would feel if she planned to still have kids after us and like she couldn't because of that. Um, yeah, Chelsea, yeah. that's so like, I'm, I'm real. I never knew that about surrogacy and like your story is not only so beautiful, but it's like, so just telling of just all of it. I want to talk to you for like another two hours. Maybe you can come back on and we can talk about like life after. Life with two and yeah. I mean, I would say there's just so much to be said with life with two, but not only with two, but just like 
the bonding aspect and postpartum and like the differences. And, um, I, it's just, it's so wild. It not, now it's just our normal. Like if we're yeah. out and about and people ask like, Oh my gosh, are they twins? We just say, yeah. Cause I'm not going to get into our story. Um, I love but, that. <laughs> but it's just wild. Even just, like I said, the aspect of going, being postpartum myself and, and also knowing the difference. Like, I feel like when you have a baby of your own and feel, and you are pregnant and you have, and you experience the bonding of giving birth. And then you all of a sudden after that, get a baby placed into your arms. Um, there's just such a difference and that's, there's just no way around it. There's, there's a, such a bonding difference. There's, there was way more work to be done with Hayes of like my bonding with him. It was just, it was so hard, like emotionally and, um, and everything because and you're already in such a heightened emotional state, eight weeks right. postpartum. Right. And there was just so much guilt. I felt so much guilt that Hayes didn't get a hundred percent me like Banks did after he was born because I had to, but there was also so much guilt for Banks that like, you still need your mom and you're so, you still need your mom, but I need to bond with Hayes. Um, I think the best thing that we did was have my mom and my parents take, take Banks for a few days of our first few days at home, because then we were able to um, really bond with Hayes and give him that those few days with us that he deserved. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just a wild, a wild ride. And, and probably the first five months was, was crazy. And it's crazy because it's almost like once you end a bad state or not even a bad stage, but like a challenging stage, once we would get out of that stage, like with banks, it was like, Oh, here we go up next. We're here oh, again. My, you're like, a little bit more sure. wiser, but it's a, yep, it's a different wiser, but like, Oh, again. sweet. You just popped two bottom teeth and was like a little hellion. Well, now in a few weeks, we started seeing, you know, Paze's bottom teeth and I was like, here we go. And it was just as bad. So I'm like, like, you just, you don't, it's just, it's back to back, but it's not like there's yeah. things that are, they're very similar with, but there's also things where it's like, okay, Hayes is young. Like we, we catch ourselves being like, why isn't Hayes doing that? But it's like, no, he's, he you know, almost two months younger. Like yeah. he's going to get there. It's just, it's wild. Even just trying to get them on the same schedules and sleep schedules. Um, I've just basically given up on the same schedule thing and <laughs> happen, like when they both hit a year and it's easier, but it's like, no, cause you know, Hayes was still cluster feeding and banks was finally on a better eating schedule. Hayes was sleeping every maybe maybe for like 30 minutes every two hours or hour and Banks was like sleeping, you know, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but it, it was, it, it's still kind of like that. It's like, once we get one baby down, uh, the other one like is up or vice versa. We'll put them both, both down at the same time and one's up or it, it's just a constant, like, and I, don't, I don't know if it's easier or not, but I mean, well, thanks for taking the time with all you have going on to like chat with us. And if you're willing, I would absolutely love to have you on again to talk about all the postpartum things. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. We'll have to set something up. I, I'm fine with doing that. And do you um, have anything else? I mean, your story is so inspiring. Do you have anything that you really want to share with listeners? I mean, it sounds um, like was there any, yourself like, got you. Was there any baby? like big, um, I guess, big questions. Do you think that I kind of answered um, I think you touched on a lot. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of them, but we'll be sure to share your Instagram handle um, when the episode goes live in the comments and everything so that people can kind of follow along your, your journey now as you still continue to share. 
Yeah, I would just say like the last thing is anybody who is just beginning, um, they just got an infertility diagnosis or they're just beginning, um, whether it's adoption, surrogacy, IVF, IUI, anything, um, to just know that they aren't alone. And there's so many um, people in this community, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or just a lot of people that you don't think of that are going through the same type of struggles or at least similar and can relate um, and that they just aren't alone. And the best thing that I did was was finding others that I can talk to and relate to. And um, yeah, I think infertility community is a, I think you've probably heard this, but it's a sucky community to be a part of, but it has the best people. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We love chatting yeah, with thank you. Thank you for having me, you guys.